Let us pray. Oh Lord, when we step back and reflect, when we take a moment just to appreciate the holy mystery of who you are, we are in awe. And we are in awe by the power of your Holy Spirit because there is a reverence in recognizing you, our creator, amid our humanity. And there is a reverence in recognizing that you're speaking to us now. And so as we come to seriously consider Holy Scripture, Lord, I ask that you take the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart and make them wholly yours. That together we might actively listen and critically think so that we can grow in the radical love of Jesus, who first loved us, and then give that love away to others. All this I ask and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to sermon number one of our fall series, The Good and Beautiful Community. And welcome again to all our brothers and sisters joining us online today. We're glad you're joining us. Those of you that have been with me now over the past two-plus years might recognize a discipleship method unfolding because we previously considered the good and beautiful God and the good and beautiful life by James Bryan Smith. So the good and beautiful community is going to build upon our previous theological work by helping us to learn the right narratives about building community life in the kingdom of God. As I begin today's sermon, I want to hook your attention with a few words to get us critically thinking. So let's start with the word different. You know, unusual, distinct, diverse, different, like the balloon in this picture. Or how about strange, odd? Bizarre, outlandish, eccentric, weird. Like this picture of a man riding a bicycle in a desert with strange red trees. I, I don't know. I don't think that's a real place. I think they did it on that there computer. But uh, that's something. Strange. Peculiar. Irregular, abnormal, uncharacteristic, atypical, unconventional, like... The picture of two Santa Clauses and an elf on a motorcycle that I took while I was driving, sue me. Because how often do you see that when you're leaving the gym? I'm just saying. My favorite position is the elf. He's like, Brian, I don't know what's going on there, but the whole thing's peculiar. Nuts. Wacky, batty, cracked, enthusiastic about something like your pastor borrowing these glasses from Regis during VBS so I could take a picture with those on while I had a Tootsie Roll pop in my mouth. It seemed like a good idea at the time and I thought somewhere I'm going to use it in a sermon and finally I had an excuse. That's a little nuts. Different, strange, peculiar Remember these words because, you see, it's different to give up your Sunday morning. 
to join other people who've given up their Sunday mornings to come to a building in Colonial Park or to watch from your home on your computer, to hang out for an hour or more, to sing, to to close your eyes while some lady speaks to a God that no one can see, while some other feller talks about the same unseen God, reading and teaching from a book that's comprised of books, the most written recent of which was written 2,000 years ago in a foreign country, while a choir or a soloist sings to the unseen God who created that book, and then people give money to a God that no one can see while another lady plays piano or organ. That's different. It's strange. It's strange to come back to that same building and give up one or more days or nights a week. To sit in meetings or choir rehearsals or to hang out with children and youth or to play inanimate objects like bells or yoga balls with drumsticks or fill up candles with oil and clean the pews just to come back on a Sunday morning where we share these strange things we've been doing throughout the week with different people sitting around you in hard wooden pews. That's strange. It's peculiar to hang out with someone else's family who has had a loved one die and provide a meal for them after they've spent an hour grieving while praying, witnessing, and singing songs of hope in the middle of death. It's peculiar to set up six Christmas trees inside our building at the beginning of November to put angel ornaments on a tree with suggested items to purchase so that peculiar people coming to the building will take an angel, purchase the item, and then bring it back the next time they come to one of their strange meetings in that sanctuary so that strangers will receive the item as a gift at Christmas from people they've never met. It's, it's peculiar. It really is. It's peculiar to set up our fellowship hall like a grocery store. Twice a month, to give away nearly 90,000 pounds of food to hungry people from our community every year. It's peculiar. It's peculiar. It's peculiar to set up our backyard for a neighborhood party that you aren't sure the neighborhood is going to attend. To spend money to fill our backyard with tents, inflatable rides, free cotton candy, popcorn, hot dogs, drinks, and chips, all in the hope that strangers might show up Because they know that the peculiar, strange, different people from that building in Colonial Park are going to provide live music, food, games, and activities for the kids and the families, and they're going to do it all for free. Right? That's peculiar. Right? Isn't it? I mean, can we just be honest? That's peculiar. This picture of people outside worshiping Jesus with those balls and hitting them with drumsticks, that's peculiar. Right? Calvary Church, do you recognize any of the strange, different, peculiar people I've been describing? I hope so, because here's my question, and I think it's important. Are we peculiar, or are we just plain nuts? We're different. We're strange. Well, wait, what makes all these examples, and so many more, Nuts is that so many of our people are enthusiastic about being different, strange, and peculiar. The world has a name for these kind of people. They call us Christians. 
But God uses other names for we peculiar people. God says we peculiar people are a chosen people. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises. Hit that bullet, please. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. See, we were, we were chosen by God from the foundations of the world through Jesus Christ. Now listen, to be chosen doesn't mean that we're better than the world. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We have decided by grace through faith to follow Jesus, a God who is also fully human. By grace, we choose to learn how to love others as he has loved us. That that doesn't make us better than the world. That makes us servants of Jesus to our world. We are a royal priesthood. Listen, the high blood, the blood of the high priest, that's Jesus the Christ, who, who is both the priest and the high offering, he makes of us a royal people, sharing in his divine DNA, causing us to belong to God the Father as a holy nation, no matter where we are living in the world. This gift of peculiarity graced to us by the living God is not to be kept to ourselves. No, no. We are set apart from the world so that we may declare to the world our worship and our witness of the one true God through the peculiarity of being God's chosen people. Now, our peculiarity is motivated by receiving something strangely different. See, we've received and we have accepted because Jesus is offering it to everybody. So we've received and we've accepted the mercy of God. Peter says, once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you were not, had not received, now you have received mercy. You see, when the message of God's mercy stirred in us, making us aware of sin and offering pardon by forgiving us through grace, through faith. We found our hearts strangely warmed that this particular God is so enthusiastic about loving the world that he would accept us as we are and make us holy by his blood because we can't do it by ourselves. That, friends, is the binding agent of a strangely peculiar community. And this, this is what makes us different than the world. Peter writes, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. Dear friends, literally reads, Beloved, Beloved. The call of Peter is to no longer do the things that make us look the same as everyone else because, listen, if you don't know this, we're not the same as everyone else. We've accepted the blood of Jesus Christ as our own. We're now bound together in that love. Though, therefore, we are called. We are called to put an end to things like gossip and slander and sexual promiscuity and anything else that might steal our love away from the one whose love has made us different. Now, here's a serious question for reflection. If you've dozed off now in the sermon, please wake back up. Has anyone recently looked at the state of our world and thought, 
is the state of the world getting worse? The older I become, the unhealthier the world appears to me. I don't need to list all the pain and sorrow and injustice and greed and violence and depravity present in our world to make this point, do I? It's bad. We all know it's bad. Even our kids know it's bad. When's the last time you met a child that had no hope? Hang out long enough with the children of this generation, you might find some that have never known hope. You know, the Holy Spirit recently challenged my thinking. So I wonder if the challenge he gave me, and this was in my personal prayer time, might be helpful for you. See, as I was lamenting the state of the world, and quite honestly, the state of the church, because I believe the church is also a hot mess, I asked the Lord, is the state of the world getting worse? And here's what I heard in response, and maybe this will be of help to you. Is the world getting worse, or am I getting better? And to ask, am I getting better, is not to say that I don't have problems, because y'all, I'm a hot mess too. I have many problems. I constantly make mistakes. I do dumb real, real well. I have a lot of maturing yet to do. I think what the Holy Spirit was reminding me is exactly what Peter wrote in today's lesson. We are aliens and strangers because we no longer have a home in this world. The longer I walk with Jesus, the less I fit in to the world. And that's okay. Because I'm becoming a stranger on this planet. Peter reminds Christians that we are aliens and strangers because we no longer fit in. This is intentional on God's part. The longer we walk with Jesus, the more uncomfortable we're going to feel here on earth. Still, though, sometimes in our lives we fail to live differently, strangely, as aliens. In the words of James Bryan Smith, Christians are not always different from everyone else, but they ought to be and often are. It's true. We are not always different. Sometimes we Christians are mean to the world and to each other. Sometimes our emotions get the best of us. Sometimes we even behave meanly to each other when we're in the building. We're not always different from everyone else, but we ought to be. And we often are. That's why it's so important to be enthusiastic about being different. Because enthusiasm about doing good draws the attention of others toward God. Peter says, live. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. You know, Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that people might actually hate us for being peculiar. He said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Y'all listen, if there's a truth we can learn from the world, it's that Christianity is often not well received. Can you dig it? Christianity is often not well received. 
but that's okay. It never really has been. And yet, and yet, it has grown exponentially since the day of resurrection. Christianity grew exponentially from its inception at the astonishing growth rate of 40% per decade. And that was under persecution. If you didn't have a chance to read my sermon notes today, none of that stuff made, made it in the sermon, but it's worth your reading. Because the church that Peter was writing to was a church that was under fire. We don't know persecution. If you ever think you're persecuted, I guarantee you you're not. You can try living in another country in this world and see what it's like to be a Christian there. We American Christians are spoiled, rotten, fat. And quite frankly, we are not under persecution. So don't ever think that. Ain't, ain't a single one of us, ain't a single one of us ever had to hide in the basement for being Christian. Ain't a single one of us ever have to worry about our fathers and brothers being dragged out of a church service and executed publicly. Yet friends and brothers of mine in Africa have seen it happen to their own families. So before you go whining that we're persecuted in America, I assure you we're not. So toughen up. That wasn't in the script. I thought I just had it for good measure. It seemed like a time for comedic relief, and that certainly wasn't it. But blame the Spirit. Why did it grow so rapidly? Was it because the followers of Jesus started some new religion with more rules and regulation? Was that it? No. Was it because followers created some mystic path to enlightenment in Jesus? No. Christianity grew because of the peculiar behavior of its followers. You see, it was and it is peculiar to do good things for no good reason. People tend to get suspicious. Take our block party for an example. I was welcoming people that were coming down the sidewalk of Constitution Avenue during our block party. And a woman coming down the sidewalk with two children asked me, Is this party for members only? Or can anyone attend? The opportunity I was waiting for. I said, This party's for you. And it's free for everyone who attends. Was I met with suspicion? Yes. Did her family enjoy a good and beautiful day in the neighborhood with no strings attached? Yes. Was this a win for the kingdom of God? Yes, yes, yes. You see, the lives that the early church Christians were living were so attractive. They were so joy and peace filled. They were so good to others that others simply wanted to experience what was different. Because these peculiar people were just plain nuts. They were plain nuts about this Jesus person. And why not? Jesus revealed to the world the peculiar truth about God. He is nuts about us. He loves us. He died for us. He arose for us. He ascended for us. He sent the Holy Spirit for us. Friends, God's generosity is boundless. And if God does display wrath, it's only because He is good and loving and rightly against sin because it hurts His beloved children. And you listen, 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 now listen. Ooh, I said it like 12 times there. Listen. In all the religious literature throughout history, there's no thing and there's no one like the God that Jesus revealed. That's why Peter said, live as free people. 
But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. This word free means capable of movement, unconstrained, unfettered, independent. This word translated as servant is literally slave in the Greek. Here's the paradox of faith. The only freedom, listen, we have as human beings is what type of slavery we're going to choose. Are we going to be a slave to creation and creatures or will we be a slave to the creator? Because humans harm and nature destroys, but God gives life. So shall we be a slave to, to death or to life? The freedom that God gives through Jesus offers liberation for us to do good, even when the natural order of things desires otherwise. True liberty, according to the New Testament, means that there is the freedom to do what is right. Hence, only those who are slaves of God are genuinely free. Oh, our differentness is in our recognition. We're different because we are honest. We recognize that there are two types of slavery that exist. Our strangeness is in our slavery. Christians are strange because we choose slavery to a God that we have not seen, who has made himself seen in an actual person who lived 2,000 years ago that we've never seen but believe was resurrected from the dead. Our peculiarity is in our freedom. We become free by choosing slavery to a God that made us in His image, loves us, and is so nuts about us that He died for us. This peculiar God became a slave to the world He created to free us from the world so that in every generation after Him, His people could offer His freedom from, from, from in, in doing good to others, regardless of whether a person was considered a neighbor or an enemy, because in the kingdom of God's economy, we are to love everyone the same. And our nuttiness, ooh, our nuttiness, our enthusiasm, that's what that is. Peter reminds us as a community that there are three behaviors to ensure that our nutty behavior will continue Honor, love, and fear. Honor, love, and fear. He says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. We honor everyone because everyone bears the image of God. Those, those with power are, are, are not exalted over everyone else. Everyone else should receive the same respect. We honor. Agapao means to love sacrificially. That means placing the best interest of others before us. That that word there for brotherhood, siblinghood, it's actually only found in Peter's writings. This means loving those, all of those with whom you have been reborn into the slavery of freedom through Jesus the Christ. And everyone honored, but the, listen, there's a special relationship between we believers. Why? Listen, why? Because we Christians need the strength and love of one another if we're going to continue to be nutty about being peculiar as a community of faith. And fear. This means reverence. This means to stand in awe and worship God. You know, we can honor a king. Of course, we don't have kings here. We have presidents. We can honor our leaders. We can honor every person. But fear, the standing in awe of, the reverent worship of, that belongs only to God. Fear belongs only to God because God alone determines existence and non-existence. So, are we peculiar 
Or are we just plain nuts? Well, I hope it's both. Because if it is, then we are living as a community of God, a community full of different, strange, peculiar people who are nuts about loving God and neighbor. A community that's nuts about loving God and neighbor is a community that God considers to be a good and beautiful community. And friends, you and I both know good and beautiful communities are what our world needs more of. So if you're here in this room today, or you're joining us online, you're already peculiar. You might as well get excited about it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.